Hi, I'm Lori. And I'm Kevin. And this is No Longer Ashamed. We are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And we're here to share with you that if you're a survivor, you don't have to be alone. Our logo is a salamander. And the reason is a fire salamander can survive a fire and you have survived a fire. We want to help you with your journey to healing and hope. We are all survivors together and we walk this journey together. And you are not alone. By telling our stories, we are hoping that you will have the courage to share your stories as well and find your voice. Because stories are so important. And for so long, I know that I wouldn't tell my story. But when I finally shared my story, that's when I got my freedom. And this is our journey and your journey to healing and hope. So come with us. We're talking with Pastor Dave Peterson tonight. He is the author of Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom. And Mm -hmm. I really want to talk about your book. And I love the story you tell about why you ended up writing it. But we also want to hear about your story. So whatever you want to, wherever you want to go first, you start and we'll, we'll follow suit. So everybody has a story and I couldn't start the book as if I didn't have anything real to share. And it just makes you that much more, that much more credible. I had a lot of anger and a lot of pain and a lot of bitterness. And I dealt with that for a very long time. And there was a a couple of reasons, two or three reasons for that. And the first was I was born with a condition called essential tremor. And it's a, a neurological condition that's deep, has its origin deep in the thalamus of the brain. And it creates, it causes tremors in the arms and the hands. Sometimes for some people, it's in their voice as well as in their head that they may shake. And so being raised with that or having that as I was growing up, being bullied from time to time from people, including teachers who didn't get Mm. it, didn't understand That was one source of my anger and my hurt. And then when I was 12, I was uh, targeted by a pedophile. And the story goes like this. I was raised in a Christian home, had accepted the Lord at an early age, been filled with Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, everything. And now I'm 11 or 12, and there's this neighbor who uh, who lives not far from the bus stop. And I would see this neighbor coming and going. He'd be out, you know, tending to his flowers or or something. And he seemed like a friendly enough guy. And being a believer, it was just natural for me to share my faith. Mm. And what I didn't know at that point was I was actually being targeted by somebody who was a pedophile. And this this guy utilized alcohol, pornography and affirmation. I mean, every young guy needs, you know, the affirmation. And my dad was a great guy. That was just a period of time in his life and in all of our lives when he was very active and was remote. And like I said, I had the best of intentions. Mm. And somehow you just, I mean, who would think? It would just never cross my mind that an adult would ever do something or act in a particular way. And so that's that started that experience, which lasted, I want to say, seven or eight months. And there was, you know, the secret keeping, 
the uh, you know further grooming the words of affirmation oh you know you're so powerful you're so strong you know and and guys want to hear that they want to feel special and you know oh tell me about your grades tell me about your school i'll bet you're really smart in math or you know whatever it was and so here's all this positive all this positive stuff and then comes things like oh well you know you're very mature for your age boy you know you should be like the rest of the men and then out comes the beer at that age and which i hated (laughs) i I didn't like that anyway but you know while you feel like wow you really recognize you know i'm i really must be something and then along with that comes you know well you know hey what do you think of this out comes you know the pornography and you know of course with that you know like every guy that age especially mm-hmm. oh yeah that's very interesting mm-hmm. you know i have my own questions and you know i like what i'm seeing and you know there's no doubt about that but then in comes the hook and you know the secret you know i i'm not going to show you this again or if you tell anybody I, I'm going to tell them what you saw. I'm going to tell them. And, you know, it was it was that kind of thing. With that also came, like, the gifts, you know? Honestly, it was a period of time in my life that I believe because of some of the trauma, some of that has, you know, is remote. But I know that, you know, there were gifts. Nothing major, but it was a way of reeling you in, hooking you and reeling you in. And then, you know, the uh, playing on your mind. Oh, well, you know, I never fit with the people in my school. And, you know, you you get some of that. So after about seven or eight months, I don't know how. It had to have been purely God's grace. Somehow I got out of that. Mm-hmm. And that was it. But what it left me with was shame. It left me with embarrassment. And it was a, a situation that I kept to myself from that time in my life until I was 19. And it was at that time at 19 that I was able to share with my parents what had happened. And they were they're absolutely horrified. Mm-hmm. So can, do you, can I share with you that yeah. moment that, that I had? Yeah. My dad was, you know, a very strong, masculine figure. You know, I loved him and I respected him, but I'll tell you what, he could scare the crap out of you sometimes, you know? I mean, I didn't get punished a whole lot. I wasn't abused in any way or any form by my my father, but there was definitely, you didn't smart back to him. You didn't talk back to him. That was just all I had learned from my 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 uh, brother and three sisters that you just like and being the youngest one. Oh boy, I was smart. You know, yeah. if you smart, you learn from the others. Yeah, you're like I'm paying attention here. Well, so like I said, I was 19. I just had my wisdom teeth out, mm. and. I'm laying on, <laughs> I'm laying on the couch and I just had my wisdoms out and just got home from the hospital earlier that day. 
and I'm there with the ice pack, you know, on my face and everything. And they had me hopped up on, you know, a pain med called Furanol at that time. I don't even know if they use that anymore. <laughs> but I'm there, and I'm not, I don't know that I'm high as a kite or anything, but I'll tell you what, just about anything is bound to come flying out of my mouth at that point. I'd been dating this young lady, and I don't think my dad and mom were especially excited about her, but, you know, okay, it was what it was. And my dad had happened to come in the door after working, and he made some comment about my girlfriend. And, I mean, I went ballistic. And I came off that couch and I'll tell you what, I just lit into him and I go, oh yeah, you think you know me? You really think you know me? Let me ask you, where were you when all of this? And because in that time of seven years or whatever it was, I lived in shame and humiliation. I, I had very life destructive I mean, there were just things that were not healthy at all. And so I really came at my dad. And I mean, I really worked myself up in a lather until the point was I was just basically like a wet dish rag on the floor, a crumpled up mess, sobbing. So I said, that's it. If you want to knock my block off, you just, and you think you're man enough, you just go ahead. And let's just get it on. Let's go. And I, I said a good number of words, expressing a good number of expressions. And I said, go ahead. Yeah, I know. You know, I was foul and I was smarting off and talking back. Go ahead. Just give it to me. And at this point, you know, like I'm, I'm like about bare, like heaving. What do you call that? Dry heaving. Mm. and sobbing i got a little blood coming out of my mouth he probably thought i was possessed i was gonna say you're probably drooling i remember so well when i got my teeth pulled oh man he got he got down on the ground he got down on the floor and he just bawled and he wrapped his arms around me and he said i'm so sorry i had no idea about any of this my mom was a mess. Hmm. And he said, if you want, we're going to talk with folks who can help put us all back together. Wow. That's my wow. story. But I still, and you know, I went, you know, I thankfully I got connected with some good counselors, got some great education hmm. and great understanding. And, you know, preparing for ministry, the denomination I was with put a high emphasis on spiritual and emotional wholeness mm -hmm. and uh, you know went through my training and everything else graduated seminary had been ordained and now i'm in my mid-30s but there's always an edge i just always have this edge some of the old symptoms of pts that are there always a sense of something on my shoulder gotta prove mm -hmm. angry the anger just sits just below the surface. Did a pretty good job controlling it, but once in a while it would just pop out and had never hurt my wife physically or my kids or anything. But there were I did some door slamming and I did punch some walls and I punched some doors. And I think by 35 or so, I was just tired of punching doors. 
it just got to the point where it didn't feel good anymore. It just hurt. And I guess that was the point where I realized that I was, I really was addicted to the anger and the bitterness that I still had inside because it was a survival thing. It mm. also provided a lot of illegitimate energy mm. and, you know, there was some self-medicating with that. And it, that was the point where I came to realize that I was actually addicted to unforgiveness. Mm. Wow. So from there, it was, you know, it was like kind of like <laughs> the drunk in the bottle that realizes, hey, I, I have something. But I knew I, I, I needed the Lord. There was no way I could make it. You know, and I was like, you know, maybe I should be going to a meeting, you know. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm an angry guy. Hi, Dave. You know. <laughs> and you're you're a pastor all this time, right? Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> I never bit off anybody's head. I would, you know, I would do it to myself. And some of that was was just um beating myself up. Mm-hmm. Not physically, but you know, you'd have emotions or feelings and then you you would uh you know i would you know try and repress those or beat my you know just come down hard on myself over and sometimes you know healthy faith is so different than the cruel taskmaster of unhealthy religion mm-hmm. and you know there was a time when it was very difficult for me to look at myself in the mirror and say i love you and i think a lot of folks have a hard time with that yeah how did you get there once you recognize, because that's when I first heard your story, that's what stuck with me is that you had, you know, this thing happened. And of course, you know, we don't tell. Then you did tell and your parents believed you, which was so incredible. And they got you help, but yeah. it's not, it wasn't like, okay, I'm healed. Life is good. It's like you thought you had it, but you still had this anger that kept showing up. So once you start to recognize that, like, I I think it's so interesting that you called it an addiction because that just resonated with me that, yeah, we get so caught up in repeating the same behavior because we don't really know difference. So what, what was the turning point or what did you do? So I realized that every day I was going to need to start by just completely laying it before the cross and just say, God, you know me, you know what I've been through, you know the way I've been trying to carry this thing by myself, and I'm helpless to carry this. And then not long after that, I went back to my pastor mentor that I had from high school, who was just a godly man. And, you know, yeah, there was somebody that really violated me, but there were also people that were such gifts from God. Mm. This was a pastor that was worthy of trust. And I went to him and I, I said, how do you forgive? <laughs> I'm having a hard time. And I feel like this is running my life. And he gave me three of three ways of coping with it. And that were really helpful. And I started, you know, I was like, okay, I'll work those three. And one of those was, you know, when that person comes to mind, uh, I would need to say out loud, I release you from my wrath. Mm. And I needed to say it out loud and get it outside of me so that I could just hear that through my ears and hear that bold declaration. I release you from my wrath. 
And there were a couple of other ones. And then over time, I just started adding to the list of what I found helpful. And and I really hadn't planned on writing a book. I was just working a program, man. I think what I find really resonant for you, your story is um, a lot of people, they, they assume forgiveness is like a one-time thing or, you know, something you do, you get over with, you're done. But for so many people and, and for myself, it's, it's kind of a process. You have to keep going through over and over and over and until you get to that point where you feel released from that burden that you were carrying. Because like you said, unforgiveness is like an addiction. It's also a burden on ourselves. And, and I think one of the hardest things we experience is forgiving ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we have to also do the same process with ourselves to get to that forgiveness of ourselves. Forgiveness gives us a chance to unlink ourselves mm-hmm. from the person that hurt us. Mm-hmm. You it have is a to. process. It's like a... You know, it, it's continuation until you get to the point where you don't have to keep doing it. But it's right. not its not something that happens once and it's over. At least i that's not the way I experienced it. <laughs> it right. It's something you kind of have to work on for a while. And, well, and what I think is really interesting is how you related it to alcoholism. And one thing I, I harp on, I probably drive Kevin nuts, is that daily connection that you know, we connect daily with God and that we, that we grow, that we're putting something else in our life so that we're not just staying the same. And, you know, it sometimes it seems like a lot of work or like, how is that going to help? And yet, whenever I look back, I know it's because I've done personal growth and because every day I connect and like something you said in our last conversation about how it's been years and you don't even think about it. And all of a sudden that person pops up and you're, you know, and that you have this great tool where you can say something and release it because it's not like, we don't have a lot of times control of what pops in our head, but we do have control over whether it stays or not. Yeah, exactly. You talked about releasing yourself. I think one of the one of the most joyful days I ever had was when I looked back over the predator's behavior and I realized how he had been targeting me. Hmm. Had me in his sights and the way he had done that. And I was like, it was so freeing because I didn't do a thing. I didn't do a thing to deserve it. I had the purest of intentions. And I just was targeted. Mm-hmm. And that was freeing to me. So one of my milestones is let yourself off the hook. Don't carry all of all of that or any of that. And it could have been some other kid. It really could have. It and probably I was, was. There probably was other oh, ones. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. I had heard about other folks. And I mean, that wasn't until afterwards. And, you know, it was just, it was one of those things. But, you know, I'm just thankful for God's mercy. And when I look back at the situation and think, I could have been abducted. I mean, I I could have been scattered all over a Southern California desert someplace. And I know that's dark, but that's just the reality. And 
yeah, there's a lot of, a lot, you know, hey, look, once that happens, but it doesn't mean I'm damaged goods. And the great thing is the Lord loves the scratch and dent aisle. And you know what? No matter what, we're all broken people mm-hmm. in need of, of a savior. And I find a lot of wholeness in that. You know, we did a panel a, a while back on grooming. And so I'm really curious with Kevin because it he hadn't really made that connection. So that's kind of been recent for him too. And so I'm I'm just curious, Kevin, what's going on in your head? Well, no, I you know I did have quite a reaction to our panel, but I've dealt with that really well. And and like you said, David, it's a matter of recognizing that it wasn't our fault. Whoever did this knew what they were doing they were yeah. very aware of what they were doing and they they planned it out they you know they knew yep. how to target someone yep. and so it's hard to let yourself off the hook in the matter that you feel like you know i should have known what was happening i should have been aware but no they knew what they were doing they knew how to hook you so to speak and and so they're experts you, yeah, and mm. and that's why it probably did happen to quite a few other people because they were, you know, they they, they had a plan. They knew mm-hmm. what they were doing. And so for me, I never really recognized that I was groomed until real recently when we did our panel. I, it just never occurred to me partly uh, because I had repressed memories of the event. It was something that at the time it was so traumatic, I just, and I still have repressed memories of that. But part of it is, is recognizing that we have to forgive ourselves because we, I know I held a lot of pain about what happened to me. And I also felt like it was my fault in many ways. And for being naive, for not recognizing what was happening, for falling into the trap, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, it was a process to recognize what happened and also forgive myself because I'd been holding on to that unforgiveness of myself. So, yeah, it's it's definitely someone else's agenda. Yeah. You know, uh, the person that violated you had an agenda. Mm-hmm. It was well, it was well, you know, they worked it, they targeted, they groomed, yep. they had go end goal in mind. Well, and they knew who to target because yeah. I was very vulnerable at that time, as as it sounds like you were, because of the, you know, what had been happening to you with the bullying and the shaming and so forth. I was about the same age as you, actually. And I was experiencing, I, w- I was a kid that wanted to be invisible. I didn't want to be seen or I tried to just blend into the background because I just, I didn't want people to know my secret because I'd been abused previously you know i'd been abused at a younger age Mm. so yeah they they knew what they were doing now did you come to a point of forgiveness of your perpetrator that was slow in coming Uh i would say uh yes if you mean having a sense of human compassion Mm. and the way i went about doing that is also in in my 21 milestones to freedom and that was if you can't forgive something big start with something small Hmm. and in my case it was to realize that this guy was not always a a man in his mid-50s from what we know about you know memories and people 
really from conception all the way up to 12 or so, 10 or 12, the events that they experience in life set them on a trajectory in the way they deal with relationships and encounter the world and everything, you know, so much of the learning. Yeah. And, you know, the the memories and things. What actually helped me was to imagine my my perpetrator as like a three-year-old, that there was a time when this man was a three-year-old little guy toddling around mm. with his future ahead of him. And he realized, I don't know what set him on the path, the trajectory that would put him on that path that would violate other people. Mm. I don't know what may, you know, like I wouldn't even know at this point if he was a narcissist or whatever. I don't know anything about that. Okay. But if I was able to envision him, and that's one of the things I really asked the Lord was to help me to envision this guy in as that three-year-old, you know, that that was helpful in the start to develop some kind of human compassion. And to, you know, and to help me get to the point where when I thought about him, my blood didn't boil and I didn't rage and my stomach didn't flinch. It it just got helped to get me to the point where he didn't have control over me. And I didn't want to be under this guy's control, even though now it's many years down the line. But if he still has, if he's still taking up space in your brain, he's still got control. Yeah. I don't know what you think about that, Kevin, but no, I'm I'm so sorry to hear about your experience. Well, and, and that's why I asked about if you forgave that perpetrator and how that process was, because, you know, I've had forgiveness of several people that have abused me in my life, but I haven't really processed this um, event that happened. And I've been praying on it and trying to, because I realized I never really got to a point of forgiveness or even tried to forgive these people. And yeah, I need to figure that out because I realize it is still a burden in my life it's not as great as it was now that i'm realizing more of what happened but it is still there and i know forgiveness is something that helped me enormously in in other areas can i ask you kevin what when he talked about seeing his perpetrator as a young child because that's something that happened to me actually before i had my memories i went to this training And they had you look at people in your life that I don't know what words they use, but um, basically for me, it was my parents just because they were so dysfunctional and, and imagine them as children. Mm. And I remember walking away from that training. I can't tell you anything else I learned, but all of a sudden I realized that my parents were kids and they, they had a pretty rough childhood. And Mm. so I'm wondering when, when David was saying that, what you were thinking, like what was going on? I was going through that process of imagining them and what they, because I've never really thought of that before, but the one boy was just a little bit older than me, year and a half, I think. And his sister was probably five, six years older than me, at least. And I just imagined that because of how well thought out and how, you know, they planned this and they knew what they were doing, they must have been groomed themselves somehow or they must have gone through something themselves to to in order to do this they had a plan they knew what they were doing you know and so forth so they must have gone through 
something as well in order to get to this deviant path. And yeah, that that does change the way I I imagine them when I, you know, because like you said, recently when we did the grooming panel and I realized I had been groomed, it triggered a lot of anger and and pain. So it does change the way I'm feeling about that and them as well. Another um, another thing that really helped me was to ask the Lord, okay, so if the Lord could bring me back to that place and, you know, bring back that memory, a painful, a pain, just painful memory, and I, I asked him, where were you and what were you doing when this was happening? Mm. And, you know, it gave me a chance to confront my anger with God. Mm-hmm. How could you let this happen? And I really asked Jesus, you know, could you please come and give me a hug? Mm -hmm. Could you come and let me see your face? Could you come and show me where you were and what you were doing while that was happening? And honestly, it was in that time that I really believe the Lord showed me that, you know, he was kind of like, he was there. That's first. And that is such incredible healing just in that to say he was there. And of course, that's basic theology. God's omnipresent. Mm -hmm. But we also know from Matthew 25, he's especially close to those who are broken, those who are those who are wounded, the hungry, the thirsty, um, the imprisoned, and you know, you, you know how that scripture goes. Yeah. But to have a sense that he was there when that was happening each time, and that he was protecting me, I had a sense of his love, and I didn't, I didn't see him you know, hiding his face and being ashamed of me, but having compassion. I know that's maybe a stretch, but it it was one of the things that I found helpful. And I I included that in the book. I think it's so interesting how you asked both of your fathers, where were you? And your physical dad (laughs) couldn't be there. And yet he he got on the floor and he said, I'm so sorry. And then you asked your heavenly father and he was like, I'm there. I was there. And, you know, what stirred for me when you said that is, I think we all think when we're going through trauma that we're alone. And it's hard to imagine that, you know, God is right there and he may not stop it because of free will and all of that. But the thought, I just think that's interesting how. You asked the same question. Where were you? You asked God a lot nicer than you asked your dad, but of course you're all drugged up. But that seems really powerful. Well, I don't know. There have definitely been times in my journey when I've given God the full middle finger, you know, (laughs) right in your face, God. You know, the thing I love about it is he has such broad shoulders and such incredible love, you know? And I'm so glad to have a chance to air some of this out with you. And I just, my, my hope is, you know, in writing this book and, you know, you never know what pains people have. And, you know, you probably read the statistics, one in six men were sexually abused as children, one in four women. And, you know, on the front cover, there's a, a milestone and it's a stack of rocks. And I think the sh- I think the shot actually came from the uh, Appalachian Trail where they'll use rocks, stack rocks to be mile markers. Mm. And in looking at those rocks, they're smooth rocks. I got to thinking more and more about David 
and his smooth stones that he pulled out of the brook before he went and he took down Goliath. Think about smooth stones that come from a riverbed. They've encountered the vibration of the water, the, you know, the rock tumbling that goes on that knocks the crud off of them and gets them to the place where they can be pulled out and put into a shepherd's pouch so that when Goliath is faced, David has a smooth stone and he can, you know, he didn't take any extra practice shots. He already had those. (laughs) But he he, um, was able to fire that stone. And I, I want my readers to feel like that, that their experience can become something that can take a, take down a giant. And the greatest joy I have, and I, I just wept over this book. <laughs> I was so glad to get it done anyway. But when I had completed it, I just went and I just sobbed in my bed. And I said, I've given you everything. Now take down those giants for people. And the great thing is, you know, there's five smooth stones that David pulled out of the brook, right? You know that Goliath actually had four brothers. So when David went after Goliath, he wasn't just going for Goliath. He was going to take down his whole family. Yeah. You know? So enough with with shame, enough with everything that would try it and ensnare us and keep us in that heavy place, that weightedness, beauty for ashes. And I, I pray that for everyone, especially those who all they know is feeling like dirt and used and abused and being a statistic we're not statistics we're human beings made in god's image right yeah yeah you know we are we're kind of running out of time but i really want you to tell the story of what brought you to write the book so i've been doing um hospice chaplaincy for 20 years is that the story Mm -hmm. i've been doing hospice chaplaincy for 20 years I and I encountered a young lady. Uh, she was young because she was my age, and uh, <laughs> and so um, she had a lot of unforgiveness issues. She'd been violated. She had just been exploited as a child, and then growing up and into her teen and later in life as well. And here she is. She's on a hospice, and she doesn't have long to live. And she said, Pastor Dave. How have you learned to forgive? And I said, Well, that's that's where it got real <laughs> because I, I couldn't hide. I, I had to, you know, it's like, okay, now's the time when it, I need to share my resources. And I said, I was taught, um, I have some serious pain in my background. I didn't get into it, but I said, I have some serious pain. In many ways, I can identify with your story. And my pastor taught me three ways, and I'm I have a whole bunch of other ways and I've always meant to write them down. And she goes, well, why haven't you? (laughs) It gets real. You know, it's like, I can't argue with this gal because she's getting ready to go to God. And I said, well, how about if we meet? And as we meet, we talk about a different, a different way. And at that point I was just calling them tools in your toolbox, but it doesn't really matter. Tools in your toolbox are, Milestones to Freedom, and her name was Susan Watts, mm. and she was able, we, we spent considerable time, and we developed a couple of them together, mm. and it was very meaningful, and, you know, the odds of us dying are pretty good, one in one, right? 
the way we die, and if we can die and have peace, and we can extend as much possible forgiveness and live in the freedom that God has for us, that's all of our hopes. And this young lady, she did pass away, but she wasn't, there was nothing clinging to her. And she said, I I feel like I've lived so much more in the past nine months than I've lived the whole rest of my life. And that's the story. Wow. So my hope is, you know, not just for people who've experienced needs to forgive, but also uh, whether it's pastors or counselors, therapists, or, you know, other folks that when they encounter folks in the caring, their caring professions, the folks uh, with unforgiveness issues, that they have a resource. Mm. I looked around. There's a lot of books that tell us to forgive, but I haven't found a huge number that tell us how to forgive. Sometimes the scriptures itself are a little bit, I don't know if evasive is the word, elusive, I don't know, but maybe a little bit more sketchy until we specifically start looking for how to forgive. And that's what I pray this book does. Something I take away from what you say is you talk about the joy of forgiving. And one thing I remember throughout my life, people would say to me, you need to, you have to. You have and to. What, what I hear from you is I want to, like mm-hmm. it, it, it takes this whole different switch. It's, it, it goes from being almost like this, like I'm pointing my finger, like you have to do this. Like you were saying, God, isn't this big meanie up there, but that, Hey, you want to do this because the freedom you get that comes from it is so mm-hmm. amazing. And that is the joy that I saw when I heard you tell your story and why I was so excited for you to come on this podcast, because it's such a shift. Look at the difference it makes in our relationships. I feel like I've gotten so much more out of my connection. I have four sons, four magnificent sons, Mm -hmm. and a a beautiful wife. And I feel like we have such a a closeness. We're, you know, we're jacked up in our our own particular ways, but there's a, a closeness. And I think that comes from, you know, putting in the work, but it really, at the heart of it, is completely a God thing. It's what God's worked in us. It's and we, and in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about this too. Like you were saying, you you weren't forgiving, and so you had this anger. And um, I love this quote. I think I said it to you in our lot when we talked last time. Uh, Self healing is an act of community service, mm-hmm. and so we behave a certain way, and we don't even realize we're hurting the people that we love because we're so hurt. But when we forgive and we don't have that anger, we're not hurting the people that are in the next room that are at our dinner table. Yeah. You both are such amazingly compassionate folks. <laughs> I think that's the joy of being with you. Uh, I think that's from the process of just learning to learn from God. I mean, I, I think that's how I could best put it, just trying to learn from God. And that's, you know, I think the main lesson I've learned from Jesus is compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And we would love to have you on one of our panels. Yeah. Um, we ho- hopefully will we'll do another one here pretty soon. But we um, we just love it when people are able to share their stories, share their resources, because we know that, as I mentioned to you, a lot of people, it takes them 26 years or more before they ever share. Yeah. 
And I understand that. I totally understand it. But mm -hmm. man, if we can help people get free, how awesome is that? Well, I'm planning on doing a book signing in uh, Kennewick, Washington at some point. Oh. And I'm cool. hoping to make it out to the western side of the state. So if I ever get in your neighborhood, I'm going to be giving you guys a ring. Okay. I hope you will. In, purpose, in, in purpose, in person. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, I, any chance I have, I'd just love to have a chance to do uh, men's ministry or speak uh, or do breakout sessions or whatever. Because I, I really believe, yeah, there's a lot of broken women. But I think, uh, I, you know, using my story to bring wholeness to other men. Yeah. And see families transform. That's yeah. that's all I want to do. That's all I want to be about these days. So that's it for today. We are going to have a prayer time if you want to stick with us. If not, we believe in you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. If you like this podcast, please rate and review because that's how other people can find us. And we really want to spread this message. Me well, too. we always close in prayer. And since you're a pastor, I'm going to ask if you'll start us off. <laughs> you can make me work. Yes. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Never work. It's always a joy. So come Holy Spirit, release the power of the kingdom right now in your precious name. Our identity is not wrapped up in the traumas that we have, in, that have, been, we have incurred whenever they happen in childhood or young adulthood or whenever they happen. Our identity is in you. Amen. Your word says, behold, I make all things new. You specialize in being a transformation station. You give us beauty for ashes. Mm -hmm. Lord, for those who need this special word, remind them that they have a purity that does not come from others, but it comes from you. They have a wholeness that comes from you. And thank you so much for the time that we've been able to have together, we release those who have hurt us into your hands to deal with, because you can deal with them so much more compassionately than we are able. But Lord, bring healing and wholeness to us. Thank you for those who, who, who fight battles in the darkness, the broken, especially those that wonder if life is worth living anymore. For those that wrestle in the darkness, trying to keep a secret to themselves and doing everything they can in their power, help them to find their way to those who can bring them comfort, and most especially that healing that can only come from you. We break strongholds and ungodly attachments to those painful memories. Release peace, power, joy, and comfort. Holy Comforter, in your precious name, we pray. Amen. Father, I thank you for all your blessings, for the work you are doing in our lives, and for your compassion for us, Lord, and for your compassion and teaching in our lives, and for the grace you've given us with our anger towards you and our anger towards ourselves. And Lord, I just pray you would be with those who are listening. Bless them with your grace and your understanding and your healing, Lord, and that they would hear your voice and hear you tell them that you love them and you care for them and you were there with them yeah. and that you cared about them and you still do care about them and that you want to heal them and purify them and that you have a purpose for them and pray that they would hear your calling 
and follow your calling in their lives, Lord. And I just pray that you would continue to bless David and his work. And I pray that those that need to hear and learn would find his book and be able to be blessed by it, Lord. And I know I'm already blessed by his <laughs> teachings. And I'm mm -hmm. thankful that you have taught him well, because I know it will reach those that need it. In your name I pray. And Father, I just thank you that David said yes to writing a book. It is a labor of love. It is not an easy thing to do. And, and I thank you that he was willing to share his story. Father, so many people are just sitting alone, feeling like they're the only one. And I thank you that, that his words might change people's lives. And Lord, I thank you for the shift of that. It's not that we have to, but we want to. Mm -hmm. And Lord, help us to forgive in every way, in every situation, and uh, that we might just have that joy that David talks about, that uh, we don't have to give them rent in our head. We don't have to uh, <laughs> suffer anymore, that there is freedom. And all it takes is for us to be willing to let go of that and give it up. And I thank you so much for that. And thank you for tonight, for this amazing conversation. And I just pray that lives will be blessed in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.